Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. What goes through your mind when you're facing a big challenge and you are finding ways to procrastinate about tackling it head on? Can I, I'm going to ask and to back that up, Kevin, just uh, a different, little, little bit of a different question. When do you become a priority in the day as opposed to making the other people a priority and your task a priority? When is it about you that ignites the day? I'll jump on on that one, Licky. Over the last probably 24 months, I've really made a point to prioritize me at the best time for me with the least amount of distractions and whatever else to make me, you know, better for me and better to equip to do the job for the day or making some of those calls or making some of those contacts, uh, social media, whatever it might be. I intentionally get out of bed way earlier than most of the world is getting out of the bed to start their day because that is my time. My house is quiet. Kids are sleeping. My wife is not interested in being up at the same time I'm at. I make coffee. I meditate. I journal if I can't really find a good headspace to, to meditate with. And then I then it's uh, uh, usually it's some form of daily movement, somewhere between four and eight k walk first thing in the morning. I'm home by seven, and I, I mean my day is a little bit more in my control. Uh, where I sit in the food chain of the organization I work for, I can kind of not really flex hours. I just find another place to fill in the time if I'm late or whatever. But by seven o'clock, I'm having breakfast. I'm getting in a shower, getting my kids to school when a couple of weeks from now, but we'll be getting them back to school and getting into the office. But that first, truthfully, four to four and a half hours of the morning is my time. And the biggest routine or the biggest task immediately following my, my morning movement is making sure my house is awake, my kids are ready for school, and they are to school. So, I mean, for me, that is the frog because everything after that is how my day would just be in a routine format. I need to get to work, I need to process, I need to call, I need to email, I need to whatever. Right? Those all just become task initiation. But I'm not ready for that until I've taken care of me first thing in the morning. And I mean, and I, I know other people are like, well, no, I'd rather do that, that, that big daily movement at the end of my day, especially if it's been more of a stressful day, I take that in a whole different way, right? I, I process that later and I do different things with it, but my day is totally set up and started with all of those things because if I'm not investing in me, how can I ask somebody else to invest in me, right? How can I perform my best for, for another individual, for, for whatever it might be throughout the day if I'm not ready? And, and by doing all of this first thing in the morning, I'm ready. Right. I, I, I could have had a crappy sleep. I could have had a crappy day at work the day before or dealt with a crappy client. I respect that, Sue. We all have them. But that's what I take into my morning meditation or that's what I take into my morning journaling. Why did it bother me? Why did it get to me? And why, do, you know, how do I need to reprocess? What did I say? What did I do? How did that person interpret? I don't dwell on it. I don't beat myself up for it. It's more the learning experience. You took my conversation right to a T. That's exactly where I was going there, Randall. That's um, that was awesome. Yeah, um, and, and Randall, I'm not sure you may have read this book. 
Because you're, you're 5 a.m. club? Yes, I have. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly the routine that I was getting to is we all get stuck in this rut of I got to get up and I've got three other things to do and I'm just going to go do them. But the person doing that is not energized. They don't have a choice for themselves. Yeah. You're just an autopilot. It's just task one, task two, task three. And then all of a sudden the day is over and you're still doing tasks and you wake up and you do tasks again the next day. When do you feel yourself? And, I, and if you're not carving that time out for yourself, who are you really serving at the end of the day? Looks like we're preaching uh, Robin Sharma here. I love it. What's, uh, what's other people's thoughts on this? <laughs> I, I saw a bunch of, uh, like when you said 4 to 8K in the morning, I saw a bunch of like, what? <laughs> you do that before 7 a.m.? <laughs> well, and okay, sure, right? When I first started it, I, uh, my goal was not to hit 7 or 8K, right? I'm not, look, and I'm, I'm walking. Right. My speed of walk changes day to day. I might be on the phone. My brother works. Uh, he's a, a, a courier driver. Right. So he's up ridiculously early. So lots of times I'm on the phone. I'm just talking. We're just talking life and family and all these other things. Right. And, and hypotheticals and theoretical conversations. And we're just talking. But he's one of the few people that is also awake at the same time that I am. But the, the, I never started out trying to hit, you know, a, a nine minute walk or nine minute kilometer walk and, and being able to crank out 8k before I get to work. I started out with the micro win of, okay, I have one hour wherever I walk to at 30 minutes, I need to be walking back however long it takes me to get there. Right. And so creating a task out of it and creating a, a dopamine rush or a win, I know I can get this far in, in 30 minutes. So a week or two from now, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit. And sure, I totally have my days where I'm like, no, I'm just not feeling this. I'm not ready to power walk or, or you know, pseudo jog. I just need to move. I need to breathe. I need to whatever. I mean, it gets pretty darn cold here. So there are times of the year too, where I'm just like, nope, nope. I'm going to stay in my house where it's nice and warm and comfortable. But the intention is always there. And, and it's the micro win of building up to that, right? I mean, that's like all of us. You make a goal for 10 calls and that day you can crank out 20. Well, you hit your goal and now you're just feeding the goal, right? So if your goal is 4K or 3K or hell, just walk around the block first thing in the morning before you get in your car and go somewhere, you hit something, right? You started your day with a win, right? Back to the 5 a.m. club. You, 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 if you're starting with a win, your whole day is going to improve and it's improving for you and for those that you serve. And I will say, when your day doesn't start off with a win and it's in a in a bad situation, your entire day goes that way. You're fighting all day, fighting all day, just trying to keep up. Robin Charmer's The 5 a.m. Club, it's really simple. It's a 20-20-20 breakdown. 20 minutes of get your heart rate above your sleeping heart rate. That's it. It could be doing a couple of jumping jacks. It's not, you don't have to run 8K. But for 20 minutes, get your heart rate up. 20 minutes of meditation and journal. Just take time for yourself and gratitude. And 20 minutes of personal development time. Read a book, watch a podcast. Just don't do email. That's the first thing he says. Don't get into your email till 8 a.m. Who's going to try this? Who wants to join the 5 a.m. club with us? Well, my work is 5 a.m., but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would do the 20, 20, 20. It just yeah. it won't be at 5 a.m. It doesn't have to be at 5 a.m. I, I did, like, you know, when I started this, uh, I did 5 a.m. And I remember it was at the end of December. And a week later, we were going to go to Mexico. Two weeks later, we were going to go to Mexico. And even in Mexico, I started doing the 5 a.m. 
And I found that just doing it for 21 days straight got me in a routine. Now, mind you, I haven't done this in probably a year. Like since COVID, I haven't done the 5 a.m. stuff, but I still do my 20, 20, 20 if I can. But that routine of gratitude, the routine of being in a good spot for yourself stays on forever once you start that routine. I did a program, um, the uh, Five Days of Gratitude program. And boy, did it ever change my outlook. Um, it was actually such a gratifying journey. You know, I loved it. You walk out to the car and you and you say, wow, look at the beautiful sky and look at you know the green grass, look at that cute little bird, just everything. It really changed my outlook. So I can see how that, the 2020-20, how, how significantly it would affect your life. Yeah. Who likes coffee? Who drinks coffee? Okay. How many people does it take to deliver that cup of coffee for you? Think about it. Just throw a number out. Well, from point of process to the cup that it's in, one person, me. Yeah. But how did that coffee get to you? A group of farmers and probably a truck and a processing plant. And I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. So Nespresso did a study, 2,000 people to get that cup of coffee wow. that took you 30 seconds to pour. Let's think about that. We use coffee to energize ourselves. Have you ever sat back and just thought about the 2,000 people that work to get you that cup of coffee and thank them and appreciated them? That cup of coffee is going to taste really good now, isn't it? And that's that difference of gratitude. Because you start off with that morning cup of coffee and you think about that and you appreciate everything else that goes on after that. Now they're trying to figure out who the 2,000 people are. Yeah, I, I only got the 1781. So how much of our days are reactionary versus deliberate, right? Well, okay, but Kevin, what about if you just say uh, reactionary, but how do you manage that reaction? I think every, everything that we do is usually reactionary, but how does that reaction get to you? If you have to react on things on an ongoing basis and you're not grounded for yourself and you're just on an autopilot to do things and letting it get to you each time. Like, geez, I'm, I'm dealing with politics right now. I'm being thrown stuff that I've never been thrown before. And it's testing my patience. It's testing my reaction mode. It's getting to the level, okay, I'm, I'm here right now. So now I need to start re-energizing the morning even more, fueling my body even more so that I can deal with these things. So the reaction things come in. I think we all deal with reaction on an ongoing basis. Is that where you're going with that? No, I, was, uh, I wasn't referring to a, a, a knee-jerk reaction. I was just referring to, or you know, an emotional reaction. I was referring to the fact that we just, find ourselves in the minutia and the fast pace of our days. And so we get an email, we react to the email as opposed to, I could get 10 emails, but I'm not even opening my email for the next hour and a half. Right? So how deliberate are we being about our day and controlling and managing ourselves through the day, as opposed to just getting swept up into everything that goes on. And we all have so much that goes on throughout the day. That's a good question. We've been here for 30 minutes. Who, who hasn't checked their emails or their phones in the last 30 minutes? Ah, Randall, there you go. Yeah, he gets up at 5 a.m. and does the 4K. 
intentional. I looked at my email at quarter to nine. I'm like, no, no, nothing in here because I know that one email breeds more emails, which breeds more emails. And <laughs> I hate listening to the ping, ping, ping in the background. So like, oh no, well, let's just let that sit there. I don't need to work about that right now. Yeah. I remember there was a coach who I worked with a little while ago and he said, set up an auto reply on your email to say, you only check your emails three times a day. Do you know how flack I got into for that? When people started getting that? What? You mean you're not going to get back to me right away? People just think that email, you have to respond right away. When's the last time you responded to a voicemail right away? Or that you have to respond to everything. No. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Good to hear. Like, I'm the, I'm the, termin I'm the terminal email person. Like, if you don't hear back from me, Totally fine because I just want the email to stop. <laughs> I agree, Keith. Nothing drives me more nuts than somebody. Well, did you get my last message? Well, yeah, but it didn't prompt a reply because you told me what you were doing and I'm okay with it. Do you need an okay from me or do I need an okay from you to finalize a conversation? No, we're done. We're okay. Or, or on the other end, hey, Randall, I'm going to email you. Okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to send you an email about this. Well, you just emailed me to tell me you were going to email me, so don't email me. Or, or you're phoning me and we're having a conversation and then I get the, the, the well, I'll send you an email follow-up, but it's not a sales or, or contractual follow-up. It's just like a repeat of the conversation we had. Well, no, no, no. I don't need to have a repeat. Just to send me what I need. No, no. That's called I a cover. not reply to you. No, Randall, but those are called cover your buddy emails. Yeah. Well, fair. In certain circumstances, sure, absolutely, you need to have some cover your butt. I, in, in for sure, but really, if I can't remember a conversation we had yesterday, a month from now, I probably wasn't paying attention because I probably didn't care, right? Or I was reading other emails while I was having this conversation with you. So I do need that follow up email because I didn't care at the time. I may not still care, but now I have proof that there that, that we actually did talk. Guilty, guilty. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? I wasn't paying attention. I was already reading my email. Right? Uh, isn't, isn't that interesting how we just assume everybody doesn't have the same problem? Like, we all have the same things. We, we all deal with the same thing. We deal with att attention issues. We deal with reactionary stuff, Kevin. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I get up and there's probably 30 emails before I even start right now because I'm working with East Coast on an ongoing basis and they're working 24-7. And literally, I wake up with 30 emails about what's happening in Afghanistan right now. And I need to know all this stuff before 8 a.m. my time. So there is a bit of a reaction stuff going on. But if I don't take that time for even... So that hour is down to 15 minutes for myself right now. But if I don't even do those 15 minutes, my day just goes to hatch. So who wants to join the 5 a.m. club? We're good people, I swear. Yeah. I have looked all over my iPhone and I can't even find 5 a.m. It's not showing up. <laughs> okay. What, who wants to join the... Amen. Who wants to join the I'm important a.m. club? That's... Oh, there you go. Yeah. It doesn't have to be 5 a.m. It, it works well. There's a reason why he says 5 a.m. Um, it's a bit of a spiritual thing to it as well because he's an ex-Buddhist, right? So um, 5 a.m., the... the the power hour for most people is uh, 4 to 5 a.m., where the world is the quietest and the spirits are right out there. So he says at 5 a.m., the world is the quietest for him, and you can actually start focusing on yourself. And there's that thinking behind that for him. But 
it could be any time. You can get up at 11 as long as you start thinking about yourself at 11 first. Well, if I got up at 11, I'd be freaking out. Yeah, me too. I like to start my day on my patio with a cup of coffee, quiet, contemplating, having a conversation with my girlfriend or, and reading the news. All of those things fit into yeah. that 30 to 45 minute time frame. And I missed it when I don't. Like if I, if I jump right in, like, you know, you're talking about random. If I open my email, bad news. The day is shot right from there, right? Oh my gosh. Because even if you don't react to them or like do something with those emails, now you're thinking about it. Now and for the next 20 or 30 minutes of intentional time for yourself, you're processing responses to emails that you've only read subject lines on. You haven't even opened them up and, 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 and read content. You're just processing on hypotheticals because you don't know what it says but you're like oh there's that email and oh there's that client or oh there's that person or whatever right like you're already processing something later in your day that you're taking time away from yourself for that. Mm-hmm. sorry i'm a big advocate for the 5 a.m club and not necessarily because it's 5 a.m but because it's intentional time that i do not allow the outside world to to have its impact on me until i'm ready to have my impact on the outside yeah, and that's the key word right there. We started this whole conversation with was the intentional, being deliberate. You know, what are you doing to take control and maintain control of your life in the midst of all the chaos, right? And so starting out in the morning, whether it's 5 a.m., 6 a.m., or 11 a.m., whatever it is for you, um, is a really deliberate process that you can, you know, take control of. What about during the day? You, you're at work, you're, whether it's remote, whether it's, you know, in a, in an office at this point, um, but you're at work, you're dealing with all of your colleagues, you're dealing with, you know, the people you have to deal with throughout the day uh, and people continue to want to interrupt your momentum, interrupt your projects you're working on, interrupt your, your thought processes. What do you do? Do you do anything? Do you have any tips? How do you, how do you stop them from interrupting your day without being rude? We started uh, in our office here, we started a, a, an intentional process, right? We, we did a big training seminar together to kind of understand the workflow of everybody and how everybody's different and how we all kind of get to the same goal with just the million different routes that get to that same space. But we've made it extremely intentional. If I need to have a conversation with a colleague and we're both in office, I will go to their office and say, I need to have a conversation with you. Are you prepared for that now? Or is there a better time in your day? It's not anything pressing or urgent, just now or is there a better time no you know there's a better time i'm free or i'm available to talk to you you know at this time right so then you have the the dialogue is not i'm just not walking into your office sitting down and saying we're discussing this now i mean there there are certain certain circumstances that of course press for that but we try to avoid those because that immediately puts that person on some some guard and they're they're a little bit protective of their time the project they're working on I'm unaware of that individual's deadlines and what they need to get done for, for whatever that is that they're working on. But we've done our best to make it as intentional as we can to just, I want to have a conversation with you about this. Is this a good time or should I come back later? Right. And allowing the, the conversation to, to happen just so that nobody feels like they're being pushed out of a project or, or adding stressors to the day that don't need to be there. A good process. So let me, let me elaborate on that, Randall. If you you and I were in the same office and you, and I was working on, I don't know, I was working on a spreadsheet, building a formula. Shit. <laughs> you've ever built formulas, right? It's like very intense. And you came in and said, just what you said, which is very kind and considerate. And I said, no, not now. Now's not a good time. Let's schedule for later. Right. 
it seems really like a great concept, but what happens sometimes is we then get pulled away for just a brief moment. And then we have to regroup and re regather our thoughts to get back into the same zone we were just in. How can you protect yourself from even the very, the very kindest of interruptions? Absolutely. So, so what I think you're referring to here is the task residue, right? We're in the middle of something, jump to something else and come back. And that, that, that something we jump to lives in there for a period of time after, you know, if I don't need to go to that person and say, I need to have a conversation, they're in office or working remote, whatever it is. I will also use email in this stance, right? If you don't reply to my email and it's emergent, I'm going to come to your office or I'm going to make a phone call and say, Hey, we have to talk about this right now. But I think I'm still trying to be respectful of the individual's time and, and, and not expecting an immediate answer back, right? None of us are on fire 24 hours of, of the day. So if you are, you just finished rocking out that hell of a spreadsheet and, and you're happy with its result, you need some recovery time too, right? If you spent the last two or three hours staring at the screen, trying to make everything work, I need to be respectful of that. And I would want somebody to be respectful of me for that. I work in finance. I deal with these kinds of things all the time, right? And if somebody comes to my door, sends me an email or phones me and says, can we talk about this? I mean, if they're phoning me, I'll look at the phone. I'm like, no, no, I, I, I can't talk to you right now. If I do, I'm screwed. I need to finish this, right? Whereas, I mean, in, in any way, it, it's still part of the conversation and it's still, it's still, yeah. I mean, a, a 10 second interruption is still, is still an interruption, but I'm not walking and expecting you to deliberately open the next five to 30 minutes for me to have a conversation with you. I'm asking in a 10 second blip. Yeah, there will be task residue. Yeah, there's going to be whatever. And I mean, it could also be, I'm, I'm just stuck working on this and I'm really having some trouble. Is there something I could help you with? Like, is there a way that I can make that easier for you? Right. I mean, it doesn't even have to be related to it. I'm dealing with something else and I'm really stuck in this spreadsheet. Okay. Can I help you? No, no, I'm good. All right. I'll come back and see you later. Right. I mean, we're all going to bounce back in different ways and different formats. And some of us are just going to need to close our doors, shut our phones off, you know, turn the email off so that you can just get the job done because we're all seeking something that's more entertaining than what we're doing. Yeah. I think that was kind of the point is reverse the role there. And what can you do to even stop the, the two second interruption, right? You just, you mentioned like, look down at the phone. It's like, oh no, I can't talk to that person right now. So you know, it'll mess up my, my moment, you know, remember the days of the DND button, Yes, <laughs> right? We still have them. They're still on these phones, right? Um, I've got mine programmed, but what about the idea? I'll throw this out for some, some input, but what about the idea of literally putting your entire bubble of, uh, of your space and time on DND for moments at a time? Like you have a project to finish, you're, you're going to take the next 30 minutes. You're not going to, you're going to put your DND on their phone, your sign on your door. Do not disturb until such and such time. You know, is that something that anybody does? Is it something that can be done? And, and here's a little story that kind of gives a backdrop to this. Uh, I managed programmers years ago. I said, I'm a recovering chief technology officer. And I had one programmer in, um, uh, Guatemala that would disappear for hours at a time, frustrated the daylights out of me because we were working intensely on, a, on delivering a project and he was my database expert and I couldn't reach him. 
I mean, I didn't matter what I tried. I could not reach him for hours at a time. And, uh, and then when I finally would reach him and we'd have a conversation, he'd, he'd be like, well, I got to go into the, uh, the dungeon. I'm like, what do you mean you got to go into the dungeon? He goes, yeah, he goes, I'm dealing with database structures. He said, I can't afford any interruptions. There's one little glitch in my thinking process will change the outcome of building out the database, right? Which is, you know, his example, we all do, we all have our own database examples. So we had to get to this meeting of the minds where it's like, okay, just let me know instead of just disappearing. That was my frustration. Just let me know that you're going to disappear. And then I know I won't be able to reach you for the next four hours. Right. And so maybe it's, maybe we can actually work that. And it was very effective for him, by the way, um, to shut that, you know, shut every, shut the world out. He would have no access to anybody else's, no email technology, nothing. He would lock everything down and focus nothing but on his project at hand. And then he'd come out for air and to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. Um, I wonder if we could do that for shorter periods of time. If we could say, listen, for the next 30 minutes, no interruptions. I'm not going to have, I won't even have notifications. I won't know if there's an email. I won't know if there's a phone call. I, I don't want to, I don't expect any knocks on my door because I got a sign out there. You know, is, can that be done? Maybe even easier with a remote situation. What do you thought? What are your thoughts? Well, really quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll take part of this. I, when I worked in a corporate America environment, our CFO had a, it was like one of those old classic retro uh, open close signs that had the, the clock spinners on it for, for like department stores and stuff or, or mom and pop shops that hung on his door. Here's the next time I'm out of office. Here's the next time I'm available. Right. And so you'd walk up doors closed. Oh, he's not available until 10. I'll make my way back. Hopefully I'm the first person in line, but he'd open it for a period of time and then he'd shut his door and set his time for the next time to come back so that he wasn't he wasn't totally inundated with what we thought was monumental and what he thought was not. Good example. Licking, what were you going to say? One of the things that uh, I've worked with the last leadership team that I was working with, uh, is something I used to do with my IT company. Every morning we used to have a huddle. So the huddle is for your own team. So not the entire organization, just your own team that are direct reports. You just have a quick 10-minute huddle. What are you up to today? What do you need help with? Just figure out where people are standing today. Just because you might be working on something you need some help with, you deal with it right there and then. And then, look, the next huddle we're going to do is at 11 a.m. And next is going to be at 1, 1 a.m. So until then, I don't want to see you. Unless, unless there's a fire, unless there's a major fire, we shouldn't have to in interact with each other. Because you checked in in the morning. That If you forgot to check in on something, now you're going to have to wait till 11 or 1. That's just the way it worked. And this leadership thing that I'm working with right now, it's working really well for them because this whole thing about with ADD and ADHD, it's all these distractions that are coming our way. And you can't focus on one thing. It's just so hard. So that's kind of what's working for this other client of ours. How about trying out? That's great. You know, we, we work uh, building a lot of people. Um, and sometimes it's great when they walk past and, you know, everybody wants to chat with you. And that's great. You invite them in. But there's times where it's just a little much we get a lot of traffic in our hallway and there's times where it's just like man i'm gonna be on do not disturb for a while because i'm trying to get this project done and i just can't get my brain focused and so those are handy very handy mm -hmm. we also have a little a small whiteboard underneath that sign or right beside it you know that we could make a note you know whether we're out of the building or 
hey, I'm I'm tied up between one and two thirty or something like that. No, also a something we've been doing, or I haven't recently, but I'm going to go back to, is just planning some time on our calendars. We share our Google calendars among all of us so we can see each other's schedules and just intentionally put half an hour the same time every day. You know, hey, busy. (laughs) You know, and that's going to be, because we'll get notifications, you know, from our calendar. Hey, it's your busy time. And just take that to either walk out of the building, you know, do something else. Yeah. Blocking out time on your calendar is fantastic, especially in a remote situation, even, even more so. Um, but how about the reverse of that too? Uh, and again, especially in a remote situation where you actually have office hours, you know, open forum hours, uh, doors open hours, you know, so from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my door is open. You're, you can just pop in anytime for any reason grab my time or schedule something on my calendar for that, you know, those time slots without question. Right. So just kind of giving your people opportunity to, and to some degree conditioning people. It's like, okay, what they want their private time here, but I know I've always got access here. This is what we're talking about being deliberate, right? Be more intentional about controlling your day because what I find is so often it's so crazy and ridiculously easy to just have the end of the day come and you're like, wow, what just happened? <laughs> what was that all about? I didn't get anything I wanted to do done. I just kept, and, and then, you know, and then if we're being honest, it's like if, if you really reflect back on the day, some good percentage are interruptions that are not necessary. And sometimes by ourselves, there are interruptions that we cause. You know, we look at our phone, we get sucked into Facebook. I don't use Facebook, but we get sucked into some social media and we get sucked into just emails that are not priority, right? We get caught up in reading the news. I don't have the statistics right now. I, uh, I could probably find the slide, but I was, I did a study on this uh, a couple of years ago for a client and, uh, and then presented the information and it was actually astounding how much time the average employee wastes on those types of activities, not intentionally, cause we're not trying to be bad people stealing our company time. We just get sucked, sucked into this, you know, this vortex of busyness. The last one I saw Kevin on that is a three hours a day. Uh, yeah. It sounds about right. Three hours out of eight are spent on non-work related items. Yeah. Well, it makes you wonder how productive we are in five hours versus eight, right? Sorry, Tracy, go ahead. From previous experience, a former supervisor would say, you know, you're interrupted like that, even though it's just a few minutes, that it reasonably takes at least 20 minutes for your brain to get back to where you were. So then if you're interrupted again within those 20 minutes, you know, the clock starts over. You know, it's, yeah, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. There is actually a... uh a study on that as well. And I've heard that before. Kevin, you were saying something a little while ago and what came up for me is, you know, when you say your day is gone through and you're just doing tasks all day long and then all of a sudden the day is over. Like for me, the day doesn't get over then. I actually take it to my sleep as well because my sleep is interrupted because I'm going through that all night because all day was just that. Now then I wake up the next day, it's just a routine. There has to be that break. Okay, enough of this. I need refueling. I need to create that. And then you go back in again. 
I don't know if any of you have sleep issues like I do, when especially days like that, because your day, your mind's just going all the time. You know, and it's a valid point. And Sue brought up back to my memory because I used to do this, and I haven't done this for quite some time. Um, something I learned from somebody uh, along the, the journey was at the end of your workday, make a list of all of the activities, all the tasks, all the priorities, you know, just dump everything out of your brain onto piece of paper or technology now, uh, so that you don't have to take it home with you. You don't have to sleep, you know, have a restless night sleeping, thinking about all these things. I don't know that it works all the time, but I, you know, I definitely know from my experience, it was definitely more helpful for me. I need to get back to it myself. Part of the 5 a.m. club, um, you recommend Sunday evenings are your visioner, vision for the week. What does the entire week look like? What is it that you're trying to achieve all, all week? Now, this would be interesting for people that have a job versus the, uh, the entrepreneurs who are just like salespeople and the coaches out there that have to keep on doing things all the time. Whereas the, the traces, you, you're actually going through, through a function of a job on an ongoing basis. Can you actually create that vision for the week? Because I, I don't know, Keith, are you able to do that for yourself? Say, look, Sunday night, I'm going to create the vision for the week and task one, task two, task three. My vision gets derailed probably every day because things just come up. Yeah, I mean, I think I try to, so I do a weekly preview. So every Sunday night, I spend time to sit down and, and kind of look at what the week is going to bring and what I have to do. Yeah, And then I try to have a big three for each week and a big three for each day that I, you know, I'm planning on doing, but yeah, I mean, quite often it gets derailed anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of the, the reality of it. But I, I think that what I always tell my clients and what I try to do is just always incrementally try to improve a little bit. Right. So, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to get distracted. Things are going to happen. And so give yourself a little grace, regroup, and keep moving. The, I think the real problem comes in when you drop your hands and say, oh, screw it, the week is screwed, and it's Tuesday, and you know you haven't moved forward with, with uh, the things that you need to get done. But that happens too to people, right? I mean, you just you give up. And so I think keeping that kind of uh, momentum going and you know, it's the same with almost any goal or anything you have set. I mean, if you, if you look at how you have your week structured as a goal and a perfect situation, you know, if you get 60% there, that's way better than zero. I think uh, the intention is creating that vision. Then at least you're intentional about trying to follow. Uh, Tracy, I'd love to hear from you and or Chelsea. What does that look like for you guys? Do you guys do something like that in your organization? Um, I actually don't allow myself to think about work on the weekend. When I leave the office on Friday, I will actually make a list of things. You know, if I didn't get something done and I know I need to get it done, I'll make a list and then it's sitting on my desk. So it's there first thing for me on Monday. Um, I intentionally don't allow myself to think about work. I don't look at work emails. I don't. I unplug from work completely once I leave the building on Friday. Unless, of course, you know, something pops up in a text or there's an emergency or something, which knock on wood. <laughs> typically doesn't happen, but, but yeah, yeah. My list stays on my desk in my office, not in my brain. Enough. Oh man. I, I want, I want to be able to do that so bad. <laughs> I just all upset about it. Well done. Worry about stuff not getting done. So I, I, I don't. Well done. 
Well, Licky, probably for you, um, are you still working remotely most all the time? Uh, it's, it's a bit of a hybrid right now. Okay. And that could be why. And Because uh, I know when we were working, mostly work from home, we were getting to the point where you can't separate that. You know, your home is your home. This is supposed to be my home. And my work is still down there in the basement. You know, it's sitting there. I know it's there. You know, and we're now that we're back in the office, it's become a little easier to release on the weekends. You know, I I take my phone, my work phone downstairs. I leave it down there. I don't look at it again until Monday. You know, I don't, I don't want to know. I mean, this is my home. This is my time, you know, with my family or with what I want to do. Mm. And um, I know that was becoming difficult when we were working more remotely than and a back in the office, we were losing that separation. So it was great working from home. I really liked it. I do like it. And it was helpful, you know, especially, you know, in your mindset as well, you know, emotionally. But yeah, you realize when you come back into the office or into the workplace, that's where your work is. And yeah, home can be my home again. That can be my place. You know, you just brought up a a concept, I'm going to coin it to one word, um, but it's boundaries, right? So especially working from home, um, it's even more important, I think, that we create boundaries, but even in the workplace and in our careers and our jobs and, you know, it depends on our titles and what have you, but, you know, it seems like the higher, you know, people escalate in their careers, the less boundaries that they have because they, you know, they just kind of, we cave to the pressures of the work. Right. So uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk about boundaries at this point, but we uh, we started out a great conversation with intentionality and being deliberate about taking control of our lives and our times. But uh, I'll leave you with that one thought is how can you create more boundaries that separate uh, and give you back control of your life, especially your personal life, without feeling like you are having to always be, you know, have that life usurped by other people's desires, boundaries, and needs and such. So think about that until next week. And uh, we appreciate having all of you here on BS Breakthrough Thursdays. There we go. Hey, it came out this time. Uh, so uh, looking for more breakthroughs. Have some great breakthroughs yourself this week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday and every Thursday that you can attend. We certainly appreciate and value every uh, every one of your contributions and all of you being here. So bring your friends, have them fill out a blind spot assessment. Come join us in these conversations until next week. Make it a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.